Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad, if it had an expiration date, it would be yesterday. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on a uh, cool, cool Tuesday morning in November. And I love it. And on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show in Pipe Parts, uh, we'll have an Ask the Pipe Maker with Jeff Grasick. And then my guest is uh, pipe maker and leather worker Brian Rowley of Growley Pipes and Leather. We get to talk to him. And uh, afterwards, I'll tell you about my cool little passport holder that I got. Uh, music, specifically for the season. And uh, mailbag, rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, and as I mentioned in the uh, in the past, I'm in the process of migrating over to a new computer. So this is the last show done on this computer that's been with me for uh, four years now. So yeah, kind of sorry to see it go, but at the same time, the 15-inch screen on the other one is so much bigger and brighter. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, it makes my old eyes a little easier. Um, anyway, I've also, uh, you know, fall is here and cold weather is here. So I've switched over some of the tobaccos of my choice and opened up a, a jar of the uh, McBaron HH Old Dark Fired Ready Rub that I had since 2015 uh, 16. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, nice meaty flavor. Anyway, um, but I do like it in really cold weather. So it's been nice to be able to smoke that. Uh, I've been smoking that towards the uh, later part of the day. Yeah, kind of ending my day with it. So, all right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a ball. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for another edition of Ask the Pipe Maker is somebody who makes a few pipes here and there and occasionally gets away from the surfboard and gets away from the beach is uh, Jeff Grasick of J. Allen Pipes. Jeff, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back, Brian. All right, we got we got a question from you from the other side of the Pacific Ocean. That's that thing out your out, you know, out your window there. Over here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everybody, everybody in San Diego lives by the beach, right? Um, Every one of us. Yeah, yeah. So Guy, who lives in uh, Hong Kong, writes: Is there any way to tell if the briar of a pipe has been cured and cellared long enough that we are going that 
that the smoking represents a good briar. Conversely, is there any way or telltale sign that indicates a pipe has been treated or cured properly? And I think what he's asking about is, all right, we're consumers, which I are one. Uh, I'm kind of dumb. I don't know all the intricacies of pipe making. Uh, you know, never made a pipe. Don't ever want to make a pipe because it would look really bad. And my self-esteem would go further into the toilet. Uh, <laughs> but if I'm just looking at a pipe at a, at a pipe show or online or at a pipe shop, is there any way that I can tell? If the briar's been cured properly, has the has the briar been aged properly? Is there any any indications? Any indication? So, to the consumer, unfortunately, there's no clear way to tell that a piece of briar that is already made into a pipe has been cured properly. I wish I had a better answer for you there, but but. The important thing to remember is that if you have bought a pipe from a pipe maker or a company that has a solid reputation that, you, that you're aware of either through the pipe community broadly or through your friend group or if you have experience personally with some of their other pipes, generally speaking, you can expect the rest of the pipes okay. to be similarly uh, from the same quality of wood. Let, let's go, let, let's narrow this down a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the Allen Brothers pipes, rest in peace. Um, mm -hmm. That was a manufactured process of, a, of pipe making, similar to what yes. Peterson, Savinelli, uh, mm -hmm. Stanwell, you know, all the, all the factory pipes. If I were to take two pipes from the same factory, same shape, same finish, side by side, and one was heavier than the other, or one was lighter than the other, does that help me indicate if the briar was cured better, or is the block better one way or the other? I, that's tough, Brian, because I would say, at the start of this, I would say sometimes. Unfortunately, without, have, without doing further investigation, in a way that is not really available to a consumer after a pipe has already been made, I, there's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of investigation that couldn't or that that could take place after the fact. Now, to me, in my workshop, if I were to look at two blocks of wood next to one another, and one is heavier, and they're approximately the same size, but right. one is clearly denser than the other. There are a couple, a couple things that could indicate. The first is that one of them has it, it simply it, it grew slower than the yeah. other one, so the rings are closer together and the briar is more dense. That is a that's an intrinsic difference. And to my palate and to those of my customers, I, as far as I'm aware, there's no appreciable difference in how these pipes would smoke. You can have two pieces of briar from the same origin. One grew faster than the other, or from the same cutter, rather. Now, it can also, that difference in density can also indicate that the one, one of the blocks is wet and the other one is dry, or wetter than the yeah. other one. 
And that just indicates that the, the briar needs to dry longer. But if you get a pipe in, in a shop and let's put a, let's put a pin in that and come back to it, that, that really won't affect anything. The third thing is that it can indicate that the pipe has not been cured properly. By that, I mean that it hasn't been boiled properly. If it hasn't been boiled in clean water several times over 24 hours or so, that means the tannins haven't been thoroughly removed from it, or at least sufficiently enough to make a good smoking pipe. If it still retains a lot of tannins, it's going to taste like junk. And And that will be in a heavier heavier one and that's because the tannins inside the wood do weigh more than just than no tannins in the wood would weigh also correct correct also an improperly or a a uncured pipe that is wet is going to weigh more because water and tannins weigh more than a cured and dried block right but so when i said i wanted to put a pin in something and return Mm -hmm. to it it was that you know that that moisture content can affect the uh, uh, the the density or the, the the weight difference between two similarly sized and shaped pipes. The reason that wouldn't be important to a consumer is that that pipe will dry out and acclimate to the to the environment that it's in relatively quickly. So if it's been there for more than say three four days, if it's been made for three or four days, then it's most of the moisture has has left it already that that is going to leave it in that environment and i have i've actually conducted experiments here in my own workshop to uh to prove this where i took you know i uh, just this might be interesting to people that i got a new i was curious like how how long it would take and how much how wet uh, a block of briar was and so what i did i'd just taken on a new um, a, a new briar cutter. And in the first batch that I received from this cutter, the wood was wet when it got in, which is fairly common. That doesn't mean that it wasn't cured properly. It just means it wasn't dried to, uh, it wasn't dried completely before it was sent to me. Not a big deal. I can dry it here. Um, and what I did is I shaped the wet briar and I drilled it. So now you've effectively multiplied that surface area that's exposed to the environment because you have not only external part of the briar but the internal parts and i wrote on the on the piece of wood how much it weighed and i set it in a window and every day i went and weighed it at the same time and watched how the the weight declined over days and it was about i think it was six days uh that it consistently lost weight although a little bit less every single day until it just stopped losing weight. So for people who might argue that it takes a long, a really long time for a briar to dry out or whatever it might be, and an argument in favor of those who, even for things like when you smoke a pipe and you want to let it rest, if it's thoroughly wet, it will take five or six days, at least where I live, for it to get to the, the environmental conditions where it is, is living. Huh. All right. So now I got, I got one more question for you because when I, as a consumer, when I go shopping for a pipe and maybe we can reference Mm -hmm. the Allen brothers pipes, rest in peace. There's still a few out there somewhere. Um, I know from the past, but, uh, a black sandblast block 
is going to be, it it takes a special kind of block of wood to take a lighter, a brown or a blonde Mm -hmm. sandblast. Same thing when you start, when you start staining, you also, the darker the stain is, you know, is probably not the best grained block, but if you get into the light stains, that's a better block. Is that another way for, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's another way for us as consumers to look and see what possibly was the best block that the maker had or the better blocks are going to be, I don't know. Is this, is it fair for me to say that a J Allen pipe, one of your handmaids, that's a tan mm-hmm. blast is going to be a better block of wood than a black blast is. Although I own two no. of your black blasts and they smoke great. So no, no, it's uh it actually doesn't really indicate any difference in quality, uh, between, between the briars. Uh, it could sometimes a pipe is stained black simply because I've been making a custom order for a, a customer or for a shop and they say, we want it to be a black blast. And I say, well, I would rather have a sold black blast than a natural or orange pipe that's sitting around for a few months. <laughs> so you just stain it black because you want to sell it. Um, other times that the, the wood itself requires it to be a darker color um, as just about everybody in pipes knows that Briar has inherent flaws in it. And one of the reasons we'll stain a pipe black is because there are some imperfections in it. Not imperfections that affect anything in terms of its smoking quality or structure or uh, even aesthetically. It just, just means that if I were to stain it a lighter color, your eye would be drawn to that imperfection. And when you stain it black, you don't see it. So, Guy, the answer is find out who you like, how they make a pipe, and kind of stick with them. Yeah, and I, I, you know that means whether it's a Savinelli or a Hans former Nielsen, that um, you know you every every briar company has a or or pipe company has worked very hard to establish a reputation, and uh, whether you're buying a, a twenty five dollar pipe or a twenty five hundred dollar pipe, um, I would buy based on the reputation of the maker, not on what you can tell. Uh, what what you imagine is the case when you're holding the briars in your hands in terms of the quality of the briar. And every podcast, including this one, tries to lower the expectations. That way we exceed them all the time. <laughs> Jeff, thank you very much. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We 
are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is a Brian, and he spells his name the right way, the right kind of Brian, <laughs> uh, leather maker, pipe maker, but I, I guess you, you kind of took a break from pipe making, but now you're back, so, and, and you're going to have to explain this, because your name is Brian Rowley of Growly Pipes and Growly Leather, correct? That's correct. Yay! Yeah. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on it, and I'm I'm excited to be here. All right, so let let's get to know you first. Where did you grow up? Have you grown up? Uh, what did you want to do when you grew up? <laughs> all right, so I grew up in Michigan. Um, I literally spent all my uh, formative years there in uh, one house uh, until I went to college. I went to college in Ohio and got married in Ohio and immediately moved to Colorado um, because we wanted to live someplace that wasn't near my parents or her parents because we would have made one of the others unhappy. So we said, <laughs> let's go move wherever we want. <laughs> so we moved out to Colorado Springs after that. But that's, uh, so I've, I've kind of worked my way down from the northern side down to the very southern uh, here in um, Fairhope, Alabama. So you, you down there Alabama way, is you? That's correct. Yeah. So do I call it pop or soda? I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they call you Yankee because you because you got a Yankee accent. It, yes, that's that's true. Yeah. All right. So uh, leather making or pipe work or pipe making, which came first? Uh, pipe making came first. Yeah. So leather um, uh, fascination for leather came first, but pipe making came second. So, you know, looking back, um, I kind of always had a fascination for leather. Um, I can still remember back when, um, my dad got me a new baseball glove and showed me how to work mink oil into it to make it fit better and, and all that. Um, and so I've always kind of enjoyed the leather products and just how durable and that type of thing. But I didn't get into making leather till uh, just a few years back. So pipe making came uh, far, uh, far sooner than leather making did. And how did pipe, uh, how did pipe smoking and all that come into your life? Yeah. So, um, I grew up a uh, conservative Christian. Uh, I went to Christian school, Christian college, and you didn't drink, smoke, dance or chew or go with girls that do. Uh, and I, I very much towed that line all through college. Um, um, and I guess a few years in, uh, we moved off campus. Um, and my neighbors started, or my neighbors, my roommates started, uh, smoking pipe out on the balcony. And, um, uh, I just remember the conversations we had, the, the aroma of the cherry, uh, uh, tobacco in the air and thinking, yeah, this is pretty amazing. Uh, why am I not, why am I not doing this? <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately it wasn't until after we all kind of, you know, left college that I thought there's, there's nothing wrong with this and I'm going to give it a try. Um, uh, and so, uh, I bought my first pipe, uh, there locally. I think I picked a, a very heavy, um, black Cavendish type tobacco that smelled amazing. And that's what got me started uh, smoking pipe. So this was kind of like your own, uh, your own footloose moment where, you know, <laughs> yeah, a very minor scale probably. Yeah. We could, we could call it like pipe loose. Uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And now I, I will say this, uh, I, I put a good deal of research into it before actually lighting my first pipe. I thought, all right, 
uh, let's not just run into things blindly and think, you know, let's make changes and, you know, without considering it. So actually did as much research as I could, you know, back in the day, there wasn't a ton, but um, it really just kind of looked like as long as you don't overdo it, it's not a bad thing. So um, yeah, so that there was good thought into it. And then I got into it back then. And um, yeah, that's what got me started smoking pipes. So in, in honest, honestly speaking and no joking now, I mean, with, with this research, were you kind of just looking to make sure, yeah, there's probably not a devil in this somewhere and I, and I'm going to be okay if I try this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to see, um, what, what do people have against it? Is there, you know, is there, is there something inherent about it that makes me say, Oh, if I do this now, I'm seriously going to get addicted to it. I'm going to wish I had never picked the pipe up. Um, and then, you know, anything I could find medically that would say, you know, here's, here's kind of the amount you should smoke a day if you're going to, or really just stay away from it completely. Those, those are the types of answers I was trying to find as I was looking around. Yeah. And you didn't lose your faith after lighting up a pipe, did you? <laughs> no, oddly enough, I didn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, no, and you're asking, you're asking that, uh, I, I'm, I'm taking it like from a facetious uh, standpoint, like, no, it, it's just, uh, yeah, nothing changed there. In fact, it, it probably just uh, was one of those moments that allowed me to see that, all right, uh, there's rules and regulations and then there's people who take things to the nth degree and are, and maybe not be correct about it. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, some, some of the best authors and, and poets, uh, on the Christian side of things smoke pipe. So, um, yeah. And I, there's, there's that. And in the years of doing this, uh, this little radio show thing, I can tell you that I think that pipe smokers tend towards a higher percentage of, people of faith or spirit or uh as my mom the anthropologist calls it whatever magic you believe in uh, <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah i mean you know from well i'll say it this way the pipe smoking community is one of the nicest communities I've ever been involved with just yeah. wonderful people um very very kind giving um and i'm pointing back specifically to uh, brothers of briar i was active mm -hmm. on that community for a long 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 time um to the point where i was posting frequently every day responding daily and just some of the nicest people you'll ever meet yeah yeah lifelong friends that you've never met <laughs> that's right yeah never never will probably yeah so when did uh when did we start making a pipe and uh what were you thinking well, so yeah, I guess I guess the deal was I so I love I love antique shops. <clears throat> Still do, always have. I love that diamond in the rough, that that unturned yeah. stone that you might find something that's just somebody else has overlooked um, and it has value. And of course, value is perceived, and I probably see perceived value different than some. But um, all that to say, I was pillaging through some antique shop in Ohio one day, and uh, I came across a Ben Wade pipe that. Um, I think it was called a Martinique, and I'm probably pronouncing that in, incorrectly, but no. um, it was a, a beautiful pipe, uh, very rooty, not not classic by design, of course. Um, uh, you can see the the grains, the lines, uh, the burl. It just it was a beautiful, beautiful pipe, and I don't even know if it had been smoked when I bought it, and uh, I just wanted it because it was pretty. Uh, and at that point, I hadn't even actually started smoking pipes yet, um, but. It, 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 it captivated me. So I bought it, I think for $25. <laughs> and so, um, that was the first pipe I, I, uh, 
I ever bought. And then looking at it, and this is kind of how my mind works. I look at things and think, how is that made? And then my mind starts constructing it or deconstructing it. Um, to the point where I literally found myself deconstructing a Wendy's, uh, uh, <laughs> signed order your, order your food from on the drive through. I thought, okay, this is how the metal's <laughs> attached. This is how it's bent. And it's just how my mind works. So, um, I'm looking at this pipe thinking, all right, I think I could make one of these. And for some reason I decided to try it. So, um, I literally bought a block of briar off of eBay cause I had no idea where to get briar. Um, and at that point I didn't even know that you couldn't just buy the right stem to go in. And I just figured there was like a stem shop somewhere <laughs> and, <laughs> and you drill a hole, put a stem in. Um, uh, and so I bought the block of briar. Um, I kind of drew up, drew out, uh, the, I was going to try to remake this, uh, this Ben Wade, and I kind of drew out the shape on the block and started carving. Um, and with a Dremel and, and whatever saw and file I had around, it was a very terrible, uh, way to start making pipes. But, um, so I got it shaped, uh, put a hole in it for the stem, and then I needed to go find a stem. And I don't know, uh, I don't want to call it luck, but I actually had drilled the right size uh, mortise for your <laughs> standard stem. <laughs> and I happened to find one at a cigar shop where they had you know some uh, pipe work that they were doing, and uh, somebody had left this custom stem behind, so they they sold it to me, and it fit my pipe perfectly, and. It was just one of those amazing situations where I've made something and now it does something, you know, it doesn't just sit there. And, uh, I was hooked right then and there. <laughs> it's a little more fun to play with than a Wendy's sign. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Much more fulfilling in my mind. <laughs> yeah. So did, uh, did you go and work with somebody and get some training or did you do it all kind of online? Cause how long ago was this? Yeah, so I, I was looking back because I'm terrible with dates, but my first entries on my website were in 2012. So that's when I started selling pipes that were branded. Um, so it, it probably was 20, 2010 or maybe a little bit earlier. Okay. Um, eh, probably about that. Um, what I started doing was I got a pipe makers forum and just started just pouring through the content. And there's a ton of content. Yeah. And uh Great, great pipe makers um, talking about how to do things. This is how I do it. This is how you should do it. This is how it's done. And just really started making friendships and relationships there. And um, um, I was, I don't even know how long I was on that site before I even started um, started making pipes. But um, this, this was when I started having the conversations about, um, all right, I think I'm going to make pipes. All right, let's do this right. How do I brand it? I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be like a, a Dan Smith pipe, you know, or um, I really didn't want people to be like, oh, I've got a Brian Raleigh pipe. Um, I wanted it to be more about the work itself. So, um, but obviously I wanted it to tie back. So um, I was talking to um, Tyler Lane saying, what, how, did, how do you do branding? How did you brand yours? And he, you know, his, his full name is Tyler Lane Beard. And he said, I just go by Tyler Lane Pipes. And I said, okay, so he's going to play on names, his, his own name. And it's just changed a little bit. And I thought, all right, so my middle initial is G and G Raleigh or Growly is um, close <laughs> enough and maybe a little bit more marketable than a Brian Raleigh pipe. So that's where uh, the the name was born uh, in that in that time. So that's a perfect spot for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about, uh, we got to talk about the leather and then we'll talk pipes and more with Brian in just a minute. 
A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Brian with an I, the correct way. Uh, Rowley of Growly Pipes and Growly Leather. All right, so the pipes came first. Now let's get into the leather because that seems like the that seems like it's taken over your life. Is that fair to say? Yes, it has. <laughs> so uh, pipe making was, I guess its its intention its intention was always hobby driven. I just love doing it as a hobby, and of course, if you can sell it to pay for more hobby, that's great. So. Um, but I got a family of six, <laughs> so I, needed to, <laughs> I needed to have something that, uh, paid the bills on a regular basis. Um, I grew up in the corporate world, uh, in sales and, um, uh, really climbed that sales ladder for a long time until I realized this, this is not how I was made, uh, to live in this world. It's, it doesn't fit my, uh, my mind and my, uh, my ideas and and just my drive for for living and uh, as i mentioned before i'm just kind of created to see how something's made and create it and 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 rebuild things or make things and just be creative so um after uh after being in sales for so long i just decided i'm out (laughs) literally uh uh, I'd been to a point where I was uh, living in Houston and working in Dallas. And of course, that's never good for a family situation. So nope. um, I had landed in Dallas. Uh, I was not at all looking forward to my work day. And I called my wife and said, I think I'm quitting my job today. And she said, come on home. And, um, and that's where I literally jumped off the corporate ladder into what I had no idea. Um, several, uh, several things later and it was just kind of, I felt like we were just led to start a leather business, which sounds so bizarre. And it is, um, because like I said, I'd never really done leather before. I've only used it like anybody else in the world, uh, gloves, jackets, shoes, and so on. Um, but, uh, it happened that, um, and it kind of ties into the pipes, uh, because I was sitting in a, my local pipe and cigar shop and, um, I was smoking my pipe and I had made a small leather, um, pouch that I called my day pouch and I'd throw some flakes in there and, and take it with me. And, uh, someone told me and said, man, uh, you, you should sell those. You know, that's pretty amazing. And I said, uh, yeah, but I need to make money in life. <laughs> and he said, no, you should sell them on Etsy. I've got a friend who makes all this money selling journals and whatever. And, and then we started talking numbers and I thought, well, that actually could, could work for my family. And that was the very first thought I had of maybe I'll do leather. Um, and so this is going to sound more bizarre, but um, as as I got going and started thinking about it, talking to my my wife about it, um, um, we I'd, I'd reached out to a friend I knew had made uh, leather products, and when I say a friend, I'd only met this guy one time, and I said, "Hey, Richie, do you think uh, you'd give me some ideas to what this looks like, what tools you use? You know, I'm thinking about doing it. What would I, you know, what would I need to buy?" And, he said, yeah, I'll come down. I'll bring some stuff and show you how to get started. And so we, we sat in my garage um, 
smoking a pipe talking about leather and he's showing me the different uh, types of leather different stains and tools and hand stitching methods and all that i think three and a half hours later and um a few a few pipe bowls um i thought <laughs> okay again i i think i've got this <laughs> so um I start packing up his stuff for for him. He said, "No, that's I'm leaving that with you." And I said, "No, I wasn't asking you, to, you know, to bring me stuff. I was asking you to tell me what I need to go buy." He said, "Well, I'm done with it. I'm moving on to woodwork, and I want to give it to you." And so, wow. I mean, if that if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. And so I'm like, okay, I think we're really supposed to be doing this. <laughs> so he he had given us for the record about $2,000 of tools and leather to get started. And I still use some of the tools today. So, um, that was just, that was how we got started, um, into that, into that business. So your, your wife has got to be a very patient and understanding and, uh, and, <laughs> and a good listener. Oh man. Yes, she is 100%. We, so we've been married, uh, in December, we've been married 24 years. Um, and, uh, we work really, really well together, uh, and I think we're really well aligned in the fact that there's more to life than making money and climbing ladders and being seen and known and all that. And uh, when you can when you can come to the same mindset on that, it really opens your life up to what are we supposed to be doing? You know, we've got you know limited amount of time time here in this world what are we spending it doing you know and yeah. and so she felt as strongly as i did that that we should be doing leather to the point that for my christmas gift that year she had bought me www.grawlyleather.com <laughs> she bought me the <laughs> domain name you know and i i you know opened the card and thought oh great thanks you know this is wonderful <laughs> you know, uh, very sarcastically um <laughs> but we 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 dove in uh two feet in we uh, we just decided let's do this i think it's what we're supposed to do let's go after it and so here we are thinking we're going to start a business from the ground up and we've never made a belt never made a bag never made a journal and um so we researched uh like mad and my wife is a fantastic researcher um so we got samples of leather we started talking about uh sewing machines uh uh the thread you use, how do you even make a bag? How does that work? And so we went from researching to launching our website with full product lines in three months. Um, so you can imagine the amount of hours we put in. <laughs> yeah. um, my wife, who you know has a hard time making her iPhone work correctly most of the time, built our website from the ground up. She had no <laughs> idea how to do it, but she jumped in. Um, and made it happen and it's a very pretty website and i give her all the credit on that so that's that's how we got started with it does the leather work cross over into the pipe and tobacco world at all um not as much as i had hoped um because i had gained a nice following of, of friends and followers on pipes mm -hmm. um i thought about making some pipe products and uh, it just didn't transfer like i thought and i think the problem with that is Everybody has a different idea of what a pipe roll should be or a pipe kit should look like and you know, yeah. how much it should hold. And uh, kind of like wallets. Wallets are really hard for us because you put 50 guys in the line and they all have a different wallet with different requirements. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, but I, I, I sure make uh, equipment for myself. <laughs> yeah, I make pipe kits and, and, and socks and things like that that, uh, that I use. So 
So let, let's go back to pipe making for a little bit. You're you're back yeah. doing it again, but you're only doing it part time. Kind of that that's your fun time, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it would be I, I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop some names just because mm-hmm. it was it was really um, really important in getting me started with some of these guys. Uh, you know, I already mentioned Tyler Lane. He was he was the first guy to just kind of coach me and say, yeah. Um, I think your line's off here. Or I think this is good. And in fact, he was the first guy that said, if you want to be a real pipe maker, you got to learn how to make your own stems. And, and that's when I realized like, okay, there's a lot to this. Um, and uh, it was just a, just a great comment because in my mind, as soon as you start making stems, your world opens up as, you know, to the, the types of pipes you can make and um, your hands are just uncuffed. So uh, Tyler got me started, but he said, uh, he said, all right, so I know you're moving. If you're moving out to, uh, Fairhope, Alabama, you're going to be right near Rat Davis and you need to, you need to call him and see if he'll, he'll let you see what he's doing. And so this is before I'd ever made pipes. And I called him, I said, Hey Rad, I'm in, I'm new in town. I, I think I want to make pipes. Could I come see your shop? And, uh, and he, uh, he said, sure. And, you know, that's in, in my mind, someone asked me that these days. I'm like, okay, how serious is this, is this guy I'm about to spend five hours with or whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but he said, yeah, come on over. And, and, uh, in my mind, I was going to come over, take 15 minutes looking around the shop, seeing what he uses and then, you know, tuck that away and, and go. And he said, if you get here, get here early enough, I'll show you, I'll, I'll make a pipe and you can watch me do it. And I said, that's amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I got there at maybe eight and by 1230, I had seen him make a pipe from start to finish. Uh, he, he's just very efficient with making the pipes that he made. So, um, I had never seen a metal eight before. Uh, I had never seen a Sanders he had used. Um, the entire process was new. And, uh, so my head was spinning, but I came home and this is, this is going to sound funny, I think, but I came home, sold my car and bought all the tools that I had seen him use. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I started my pipe shop. You know, I literally sold my car to buy my pipe shop. And, uh, um, you know, when my metal eighth showed up, I didn't even know how to turn it on. <laughs> and so, your, and your wife was okay with you selling your car to buy all these tools for this thing that you've never done before. Yeah. And there's probably some baggage there too. Cause it was a, a BMW 740, which, uh, is nothing but a money, uh, pit. So she's probably happy to see that <laughs> ah. go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maintenance. But she, she's been super supportive of anything we've done, uh, creatively. My whole family is creative, uh, in one way or another. Uh, I got actresses, artists, painters, singers, and they, and we're just that, family that is artistic not mathematic and so we we've been supportive to each other my wife is um certainly supportive of all of it so wow and then um one of the things that was uh kind of a i'd say it was just one of those key experiences uh so grant batson uh, is a friend of mine Mm -hmm. and um he makes fantastic pipes, of course, and I was always watching him make pipes and just watching push limits and boundaries and um, he does a pipe school, or at least he did back then. Uh, and I said, Hey Grant, can I come spend a couple days with you? I want to learn three things. Um, because when I make pipes, I draw it on the block, I cut it out. Uh, it is already preset. Like I know exactly the pipe that's going to come out of this thing if it goes the way it's supposed to. Um, and then I learned, learn there's this, you know, uh, 
car first drill second approach, which just blew my mind. And I wanted to figure out how to do that. So Grant does that. And I said, all right, I want to learn how to car first, uh, drill second. I want to learn how to add a horn extension. Cause I'd never, I'd never had seen how to do that. And then I wanted to learn how to do a military mount, uh, because I just thought those, those things were fascinating. So, uh, so I went up there for three days and spent some amazing time just with Grant watching him work. He's just a salt of the earth kind of guy. And, uh, that's that was that was kind of the with that experience with rad with tyler and grant was kind of the uh epitome of my coaching or training or whatever uh, you would want to call it uh, yeah. the rest was just self-learned and and um i mean find things out not not a not a bad group of uh of coaches to have there <laughs> um, not at all not at all I mean, I'm looking through your archives on your website, which is uh, Growly, G-R-O-W-L-E-Y, pipes.com. And the archives in there, I'm looking at... First, let me say, I'm not a big fan of some of the super shapey shapes. So <laughs> so looking at, the, looking at your Ramses, I love looking at them. I'm never going to buy one, but just looking at these pictures, those are absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Uh, thank you. You know, you, you were hitting it. Uh, but then the leather business kind of took off and kind of ran you out of, uh, pipe making for a while. Right. Yeah. Rather, leather really took off. I mean, it became, uh, two full-time jobs, uh, or three, you know, cause obviously when you're running your own company, you're doing everything from marketing to, um, procurement to building, shipping, the whole thing. So, it took off in the way that we wanted it to, and then pipes took a back seat. And yeah. uh, these days, I'm I'm back into pipes more than I have been in a long time. So, I'm getting you know commission requests, just getting to make pipes for fun, and um, uh, all my favorite pipes got shipped out to somebody else. So here and there, I try to <laughs> remake one for myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and I want to point out on the leather, there's a group on here that I want you to talk about, and it's called the Rabbit Room Collective. And you're going to have to yeah. explain this to everybody because I think it's really cool. Yeah. So the rabbit room was this um, idea that Andrew Peterson, who's a singer songwriter, a uh, favorite of mine, um, came up with. It's an online group of people who could get together kind of like uh, Brothers of Briar and talk about um, a shared interest in life. And, and so this one was. Uh, specifically made around artists uh, in, in all mediums. You've got um, uh, people who do sculptures, people who do pottery, uh, painting, singing, songwriting, movie movie writing, uh, film writing, uh, playwriting. And um, it was just a group where these people could get together, um, enjoy each other's artistic <laughs> uh, ways of life, I guess, and um, and just learn from each other. And you get together what once a year for an annual, or or and do you do you reach out to each other during the year too? Yeah. So uh, what happens is uh, the way it worked out is everybody kept saying, "All right, we've got these online friendships now. This is great, but let's get together and and meet other face to face, face to face in real life." So um, they created a conference um, called Hutch Moot, and it's a plan words, a very artistic plan words. Um, Hutch is the collective of where rabbits, you know, live and stay. And Moot is a gathering, you know, from Lord of the Rings, like Ent Moot. So yeah. Hutch Moot is a very geeky way of saying this is the conference's name. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it gathers once a year um, in Nashville. It's a, 
it started out just a hundred people or so and they've tried to keep it small, but it's, it's such an, uh, a rich environment that people, uh, just clamor to go back every year. And we've been there almost every year since it started. And the, uh, so the website for that is rabbitroom.com. Uh, however, on your, on your website, you have leather specifically branded with the rabbit room logo. Which is so, a rabbit smoking a pipe, and how do we get a rabbit smoking a pipe? <laughs> so, the rabbit room smoking or the rabbit smoking a pipe is their brand, and the way it worked out is uh, after attending the conference uh, for multiple years, they uh, we got to know everybody, and they eventually just asked us to come as vendors and start selling uh, rabbit room branded grawly leather products, and so it was just kind of a a collaboration of we'll make the products, we'll bring them, we'll put your your brand on them and sell them to all the people who want uh, quality leather goods with a smoking rabbit on it because um, <laughs> it's just a it's an image that's near and dear to their hearts. And uh, so yeah, we we uh, we started doing that several years back and and uh, have really enjoyed that. So uh, how it ended up on our site was uh, normally we would sell um, just at the conference. You kind of had to be there to get it. Um, but obviously with COVID coming up and having multiple, you know, hundreds of people together in a room was probably a bad idea. They made it a virtual conference for the last two years. So, uh, we said, well, how can we still deliver to the people who want, um, those products? And that's when we added them to uh, our side as kind of a collaboration that way. So now people can get those rabbit room, uh, products year round. And there's even a rabbit room leather valet tray that I'm pretty sure would be a pretty awesome tray for loading a pipe on and absolutely it. yeah I, i'm just saying out loud um the website for the leather is growly g-r-o-w-l-e-y leather.com brian we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready i am what is your favorite pipe all right so my favorite pipe is a this is going to sound terrible, but it's a bent brandy that I made. <laughs> um, I, w I wish it was someone else's so I didn't sound like that guy, but uh, I made this little bent brandy um, pretty early in my pipe making career. And uh, it started out as a smooth pipe with a black stem. Um, at some point, I decided to blast it and um, give it a different stem. Uh, that stem got broken, so I made another stem for it. It's on its third or fourth stem at this point, and it's just a <laughs> nice, small uh, palm sized, um, I call it an action pipe. It's a pipe you can put in your mouth and go, go to work on something else and, and hardly know it's there. So that's my favorite pipe. I smoke that most of all my pipes. And what is your favorite tobacco? All right. So my favorite tobacco is frog Morton. Um, Man. but my, <laughs> I'll call Island tobacco. Um, if I was stuck on an Island, and I only had one tobacco to smoke for the rest of my life would be the Peter Stokeby's luxury twist flake because I find that I can smoke it any time of day or night um, and as often back-to-back -back as I want, and I never get tired of it. So, And what is your favorite drink? Uh, Lowbrow Me says my favorite drink is uh, Coca-Cola. <laughs> there you I, go. Uh, I'm just, I'm growing up with it, love it. But Highbrow Me says E.H. Uh, e. Taylor uh, um, Barrel Proof is amazing. <laughs> That's that's awfully high dollar highbrow of you. Yes, it is, but it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? 
I prefer music. Um, don't have time for books. I'd rather make something. Movies, the kinds I watch aren't relaxing because they're action movies, but I can really relax to music and, and often have uh, earphones on when I'm making pipes. Any type of music in particular? Um, yeah, so I've already mentioned Andrew Peterson, uh, Jason Gray, Ron Block, um, Jill Phillips. Yeah, I have a lot of a lot of artists I like. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Yeah, I think the one that comes to mind the most is at that conference, at the Hutchmoot conference. Um, it's a conservative conference by nature. Um, but there are these like closet pipe smokers, at least they were back then. And it was, <laughs> I remember taking my pipe and people knew me as a pipe maker there. Um, and so and I don't remember exactly how it rolled out, but it seemed like one of those Pied Piper moments where I decided to light my pipe up in the courtyard. And then all of a sudden everybody's like, Hey, he's smoking his pipe. I got mine too. And then pretty soon we had a dozen guys there lighting up pipes, enjoying good conversation out in the sunshine. And, um, it, it grew to the point where um, year after year, people started asking, like, hey, did you bring your pipe? Are we getting together? When is pipe moot? And that's what they started calling it was, when's pipe moot happening? <laughs> so uh, just just staying out there with those guys, enjoying, uh, enjoying pipes together, it was amazing. Brian, thank you very much for coming on and doing this. Thank you for uh, your your journey is amazing, and uh, and I love the work you're doing. So just just keep up the good work. Thank you. Uh, if I add one more thing, yeah. um, uh, if you want to see my latest work, you'll want to see that on my Grawley, uh, Grawley Pipes Instagram page. Uh, websites are so clunky these days and hard to uh, update that I just put things on Instagram, and that's honestly where my I handle all the Grawley Pipes business. So if you want to see the latest stuff, that's the best place for it. So you got to go over to the Insta Snatch or whatever it's called and, and hashtag on it. <laughs> just growly at growly pipes and you'll find my whole my whole feed of uh or my whole page there there we go thanks again for coming on all right take care we'll be back in just a minute have a look in your tobacco cellar what do you see think of what you smoke what you age what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more that's your taste and whether you know it or not You've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, check out everything that Brian's doing, uh, including the passport. Uh, full, the passport covers like I got with the little rabbit smoking a pipe on it. Uh, or you can, uh, as the kids say, you can uh, hit him up on all the socials too. Yeah, that's right. I'm cool. Like all them kids are all right for music, uh, for the season of autumn, we go to a pipe smoker of the past. Uh, the one and only Nat King Cole singing autumn leaves, the falling leaves. Drift by the window 
the autumn leaves of red and gold. I see your lips, the sunburned kisses, the sunburned hands I used to hold. Since you went away, the days roll on, and soon I'll hear old winter's song. But I miss you most of all, my darling, when autumn leaves Falling leaves drift by the window. The autumn leaves of red and gold. I see your lips, the summer kisses, the sunburned hands I used to hold. Since you went away, the days grow long, and soon I'll hear King Cole. And if anybody wants some autumn leaves, come on over to my house. There's plenty to be swept up. Mail call. Gather around, everyone. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email them directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N at PipesMagazine.com. <clears throat> if you want to advertise on the show, you can email Kevin at pipesmagazine.com and he'll help you with all that still plenty of time to get ads in for the holiday season uh going back to last week's show uh neil wrote in uh brian i tried to post this on the radio show page but got locked out uh so he emailed it to me and he said i enjoyed the the interview with warren bile this was a timely interview for me i just met him and his son the weekend before at the texas pipe show I didn't really get to know him until your interview with him. Turbotin.com had a booth and a spinning wheel. I won a tin of 2021 Carolina Red Flake with Perique. I had not heard of Turbotin before the Texas show. They must have bought many raffle tickets because they won several items. Uh, shout out to Pipe Stud, who uh, usually makes many donations to the raffle. Portions of the raffle was donated to St. Jude's Ranch for Children. It was a good show. Texas is getting a lot of good handcrafted pipe makers. I had a small portion of a table selling off tins I don't smoke anymore. 
Uh, I was next to Trey Rice, very nice pipes and a great guy as well. Uh, it was cool to see and overhear several pipe makers talking to each other and discussing certain techniques. Uh, not sure if it was a pipe maker, but I heard someone refer to Trey as a wizard with pipes. <laughs> uh, Ryan Alden was there with his well-crafted line. My buddy Colin Rigsby was there with several of his nicely crafted pipes. I met Tyler Beard, who lives close to me, and Bill Walter, who's been smoking pipes for a long time, uh, knows good engineering as well as creating aesthetically amazing pipes. Uh, there were others with great-looking pipes that I did not get to meet. I did, however, meet Phil Morgan and Pat of Missouri Meersham. They were right behind me. They are very nice people as well. Uh, they donated all the cobs for the Slow Smoke Contest, and uh, several people trying to win smoked part of the pipe once the tobacco was gone. Thanks to the North Texas Briar Club, the Austin Pipe Club, Chris, Colin, and Sean for heading up the planning and all the endeavors. Uh, and then he also wanted to add on there that he uh, got to hang out and see Sally the Pipe Tart. So all those names mentioned, uh, go back in the archives and you'll find interviews with all of them. So all those Texas pipe makers. But sounds like it was a great show for everybody that was there. And uh, last week's show, Casey Ghost says the review of Captain Black was kind of charming in a retro sort of way. Of course, it came as no surprise that the new plant for the stuff decided to change the blend. Uh, this was following their loud proclamations to maintain the blend as it has always been. Uh, so what you really reviewed was the latest version of Captain Sasquatch. <laughs> um, another fan favorite dies at the hands of some unknown bureaucrat in the organization. Taps will be played. Uh, this show is, of course, more of the same with the rookie interview guy. I'll say one thing for this guy. He isn't afraid to let his lack of knowledge slow down his purchasing of pipes. Not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, we do have words for guys who... Uh, who move many hundreds of miles so the wife can be with their with her family, but I wish them well. <laughs> uh, was uh, music was okay, but probably a little overlong. All right, well there you go. Again, comments, questions, email me Brian at pipesmagazine.com and in just a moment, rant time. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. holiday season a lot of us will be back on the road traveling again for the first time in a couple of years there'll be a lot more cars out there and i just want everyone to be careful but in particular i want you to remember that every one of those trucks every one of those delivery vans every one of those uh ups or fedex or whoever you're using or the post office every one of those tractor trailers is carrying deliveries that you know what uh, we kind of need them this time of the year, so uh, give those guys a break, huh? Uh, do what you can to help out the uh, transportation people, the truckers and all those. Give them a break. 
If they need to move over, give them the space. You know, yield to them. Let them maybe give them a little extra, uh, a little extra grace this time of the year as they're rushing to get stuff out there. And uh, you know, just hey, everybody, be careful out there as you're driving around because there's a lot of people that haven't been out in cars and on the road for a while. Just take it easy. Give everybody a little extra room. Give everybody a little extra space. You know, let the guy go. Let the guy come over if you want. If you want, you know, let somebody come into the lane and you know, let somebody turn in front of you and don't get all upset about it. Just give a little grace and you know that'll come back to you in twofold. I promise you. So. To all you truck drivers and delivery drivers and postal workers, you know, thank you for doing all the hard work and uh, keep it up. And if I see you out there, I'll try to let you let you in the lane or uh, you know let you turn in front of me. Whatever I can do to help. All right. Hope that uh, you know. Hope you have a uh, safe and happy uh, holiday season out there on the highways. All right, uh, again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Remember, I'm gathering questions to record for Ask the Tobacconist with Jeremy Reeves. And uh, next week, we'll have another installment with uh, Rich Esserman. So if you've got a comment or question for Rich, that would be wonderful. And uh, also, iTunes ratings and reviews, appreciate that. Share the Pipes Magazine show wherever you happen to know other pipe smokers are. Share it out there on Facebook whatever anyway all right there you go uh thank you to brian growley for brian of growley leather and pipes for joining me thank you all for tuning in and until next time Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Michael Jordan plays ball. Charles Manson kills people. I talk. Everyone has a talent.